Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we are preaching. And we should say welcome back because we were not here last week. I know. Has it been two weeks? Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we were here the week before Holy Week, but we were not here during Holy Week. I know that you all barely were able to make it through without us. <laughs> Tens of people were disappointed, um, but we could that not. Many. I know, maybe, (laughs) optimistically. (laughs) Um, We're basically just talking to ourselves with a microphone. But um, we could not make the time to make this happen during Holy Week, and that seems um, reasonable. So, yeah, so we're back, and I'm happy to be back. And what is astonishing you? Um, I know this might be old news for quite a few folks, but um, I'm still astonished by um, the fire at um, Notre Dame Cathedral. Um, I remember, yeah, and you know, I, I like things French, ooh la la. Oh, um, there's about to be some real controversy <laughs> on this podcast. Okay, well, carry on, lawyer. Um, like a lot of people, when I initially saw video, um, I recognized that there's, um, there's a certain level of, of, of grief that is right and honorable when it comes to building and places because building and places hold symbolic meaning for a lot of mm-hmm. people. And uh, so initially, like a lot of people, I'm like, oh, this is, this, is, this is sad. And then I started to hear commentary, right? not just everyday folks, but like clergy. And they often refer to the cathedral as a national symbol. And I get that. I get that it is a national symbol. But I didn't hear people refer to the cathedral as a place that points to the gospel, as a place that points to um, the God that is worshipped there. And and I was astonished by that, and of course not in a good way. And then as I continued to listen, I continued to be astonished, again, not in a good way, by it seemed to me immediately all of this money pouring in, yeah, yeah. and um, I thought, well, what about Haiti? What about migrants? Um, because we, what especially, about Flint? In, <laughs> what? well, we, we give off this yeah. this message or give this message that seems to say there's only so much, and if we share. With too many people, we just won't have enough, right? We 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 can't let yeah. all these migrants in, no matter how much they're suffering uh, in the countries they're in. And then when this building burns, and I I am not mad hey, at listen, the idea of rebuilding. You don't. I, I am not offended by what you're saying. Okay. Like, I I thought you were gonna say, oh, I felt sad for the fire, and yeah. I I mean I would go further than I mean, you. Initially, I did because I think it's it's sad when buildings burn because they do hold a symbolic meaning, and I'm. I get that. I'm thinking it's a matter of priorities. No, I mean that whole that whole incident and the response to it is so revelatory that here I'm going to be officially Presbyterian. John Calvin is right that humans are idol making factories yeah. that we can mourn and refuse to allow a building that was erected as a monument to Christ yeah. and 
and the gospel and resurrection, that monument we cannot um, stand to lose, but but the actual um, thing that it represents, we're indifferent to. So yeah, because my right. understanding of, and I could be wrong, my understanding of many, if not most, of those historic cathedrals in Europe is that they are more museums they are than places of mission and worship and uh, so yeah i i've been astonished by that and again not in a good way and then there's another layer for me as i'm going through this criticism about priorities and you know this is symbol of something other than a national you know other than something other than a national monument i had this kind of holy spirit prophetic moment of, well, thou art the man, right? That I do the same thing and that I live, like I'm, I'm having, and, and I know this at some level, but again, it's becoming real to me that I live at this intersection of people who are privileged mm-hmm. and people who suffer and Part of my privilege is that I get to choose right. when I identify with this group mm-hmm. and when I identify with that group. And um, and now I'm questioning how much do I value um, the thing, the cathedral, the building, which is not a bad thing. It is not bad to rebuild this building, but the priorities are off. And I'm questioning, okay, in what ways are my priorities off because there are a lot of things that I value that I want to do that are not bad but they may just they they may not be the most important things that I need to be focusing on I mean I do think like as I read the Bible and God's relationship with the with the people of Israel as you know the the chosen people are chosen because they're representative of all people right like they're not they're neither more nor less holy than any group of people that God could have chosen, right? Yes, they were not chosen absolutely. for their distinctiveness. They were chosen to be, um, to, to be a, to show how God's distinctiveness, yes, right? And God's plan is to bless the, the whole, whole nation world, them, right? right? So I, I want to say this and I, and I just preface it by saying that, that I in no way think that our Jewish ancestors are more like this than any other kind of people mm. or like us currently, right? This is mm. no way anti-Semitic. This is a human yeah. trait that I think is illustrated in the particular peculiar people whose story we have told in, mm. in the Old Testament. But like God destroyed the temple for a reason, right? Mm. Because the people loved the temple more than they loved God because mm. it was just easier to worship those stones and the ornateness and the, you know, I mean, that that's just a, a factor of being human. It's just mm. easier to love Notre Dame than yeah. it is to love the God who ha- made a, an unmarried pregnant teacher, yeah. a pregnant teenager, yeah. you know, the mother of God, right? Yeah. It's easier to yeah. worship that building yeah. than um, yeah. a, an unmarried pregnant teenager mm. migrant mm-hmm. crossing the border mm. with her baby, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. fleeing persecution as the Holy Family did, right? It's just easier yeah. to love that beautiful yeah. thing, that thing that looks beautiful to our eyes than to let that thing that appears beautiful to us speak to us about what the Lord sees in certain people's lives. I mean, so I just, I'm a fan of, I mean, and I don't, I, to be clear, I don't want my church to be burned down. Although, you know, I know that it in no way is the spectacle of Notre Dame, right? But like, 
I, you know, I mean, I remember when I was really wrestling with um, whether or not the Grove would survive and, and if it didn't, as it looked very much like it wouldn't for a period of time, whether I would ever be able to be a pastor again. And I felt like um, I heard from the Holy Spirit really kindly, but clearly saying, you know, what's at stake for you is whether you'll have this title and whether you'll be perceived as a leader and a follower in a particular way. But what's not at stake is if you can follow me, right? Yeah. Like you you, yeah. you said you wanted to be a pastor to give your life to me. Mm-hmm. So now you have this particular way of giving your life and you're very upset that maybe you won't be able to do it in that way, but, but you will always be able to be a follower of Jesus, yeah. right? And yeah. so if that's what is really the core is the thing mm-hmm. and not just mm-hmm. this particular manifestation of it, well, that's not at stake, mm-hmm. right? And I, I, I just feel like there's a connection there. Like we, we can all... Um, be a people who proclaim Christ, who worship Christ, who who glorify this story. We the forms and customs and traditions mm-hmm. that we're so apt to love may pass away, but those things become idols. Like yeah. just like this, you know, whatever the snake on a stick, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's so, good. Anyway, that's good. Look it up if you don't know it. But there you and go. you thought we were going to disagree? On I that. did. I yeah. thought for a minute, like I didn't know where you were going, but I was prepared to be offended. I don't yeah. know why. I don't. After all this time, I just. Whatever, I wanted to rant. You stole my rant, and you I've made it in such a reasonable way. And yet you and do then, not know me. Right. <laughs> and then you turned it around to be like, and I am the man, whatever. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Okay, that wasn't as fun. All right, well, here's what I'm astonished about. Um, I am astonished at how Holy Week turns me, and obviously it's not much of a turn, um, but turns me into a Martha, right? Like, I just mm. become wow. so... Wow obsessed and overrun with Mm. the cares of like producing these events where people can encounter Jesus. And I, and I don't have, you know, it's not that I don't have the time. It's that I don't have the emotional energy and let's just be really transparent, the desire, Mm. um, to sit in worship, to hear from the Lord, you know? And so I just, I mean, Holy week was, was difficult and challenging for me this year um, because of the way I showed up for it. Mm. Like it's not anything about anything other than me taking responsibility for, um, who I want to be in the world and what my first priority is as Mm. a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, I, I think it's so challenging, um, to be a pastor and walk through Holy week with right expectations and just right Mm. presence. And, um, you know, there's so much talk about like, Oh, Holy week, it's a marathon, whatever. And, you know, I just feel like if I complain about Holy Week, I'm in the wrong line of work, right? Like that's just not. This is that's good. This yeah. is a. Yeah. This is just the gift. It needs to all be a gift, but it's just so easy to buy into that. Like, oh, I'm so overburdened, and not. I mean, it's just um, to that sort of like fake, ugly martyrdom thing. Mm. And so I just um, so that is what I I'm just soberly looking at in myself. Um, and then also, and I appreciate the discipline of this, um, podcasting every week to say, if I'm not astonished by something that the Lord's doing, then I'm consumed with myself and, and not interested in what God is doing. Right. Um, and so I just, um, people in my congregation, um, when, when I am faithful enough and centered enough to invite them into the ministry, um, just come bearing such beautiful gifts and, and such profound revelation and proclamation and, Mm. um, just are so full of the Holy spirit and so full of this, um, 
deeply holy desire to um, serve expectantly. And there are just so many beautiful moments of people, you know, um, you know, preaching or speaking at one of the seven last words or preparing tables at Monday, Thursday, or, you know, just coming on Easter so ready to rejoice. Yeah. And um, I just, I am, and I choose to be astonished at the way God is working in the lives of the people I get to serve and, and trying to enter into Holy Week the way they do, um, which is without any, you know, I, ridiculous assumption that they have to do anything mm. other than, you know, show up to bear witness and participate, right? Like, I don't need to create resurrection. I don't need to create, I mean, like, that's ridiculous. But I think it's just so easy for pastors um, to get sucked into that crazy way of thinking and just a disordered um, false yoke. Anyway, so that's good. I'm going to work on not being a Martha, <laughs> work <laughs> on being a Mary and, and loving God and worshiping and seeking revelation and seeking my own primary experience of Jesus as I exist in this community and trusting the Holy Spirit to be sufficient for all of us and mm. still like very eager and willing to work and serve and, but also, you know, come, come to that working and serving out of wonder and out of mm. a full place of fullness instead of um, a place of, you know, overcome overwhelmedness so yeah that's, that's astonishing. so easy to get into well it is i know? mean it's just such an ego trip right like it's just such an ego trip and that's what gets us in it is our pride I mean, and it our, can you know. be but also well one of the disciplines that's helped me and it's kind of an unplanned thing i just kind of was led into it by the spirit i started asking our worship team before every sunday Let's name the thing we are celebrating this week. Mm -hmm. What what are we celebrating? Mm -hmm. So even as we prepare, rehearse, write, plan for worship, we keep in mind this idea that when we gather, we are celebrating something. We're anticipating. And that's been really helpful. Well, and I, what I think is interesting about that is, you know, sort of coming up in seminary, and a lot of times we have conversations, we talk about how, um, we need to make sure that our worshiping spaces are safe places for people to show up when they're feeling broken and when they're feeling wounded and when they're feeling despair and that we don't want it to be a place where people have to like put on a, a, a mask of mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. everything's fine and everything's mm -hmm. good and I'm full of joy when I'm not. And I, and I think that is just right and so. And <laughs> I think the pendulum might have swung way too far in the other direction, mm -hmm. right? Where we, we show up and we are only able to experience God to the limit of our current feelings, right? Yeah. And so, you know, and, and I, I say this to my daughters all the time, you know, something will happen and it's just not, I mean, sometimes my kids are upset and they're like, it's legit. But sometimes, mm -hmm. like, you know, you did not, I mean, this is the line, like you did not get what you wanted exactly how you wanted it, when you wanted it, and now you're losing your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, and I need <laughs> you to be able to be like, a kind, calm, mm. loving member of this family, even when yeah. you're not getting what you want when you want exactly the yeah. way you want it. Wow. And like, so you know, there's got to be some space where as God's people, especially as we mature, mm. that there's a way that we can show up and remember that we have things to celebrate, yeah. even when we also have things that prayers that need answering or things that are hard, right? And so yeah. there are going to be some weeks where we just drag ourselves there and we're just angry or we're sad or we're despairing and that mm -hmm. is fine and good but 
if that's every week, then I think we need to like do some deeper work of saying like, why, <laughs> why is nothing good for me? Yeah, like, why yeah. can't I walk in fullness of life? Or when I look at my brothers and sisters who are walking in the fullness of Christ's resurrection, do I believe that somehow they're just luckier than me mm. or more blessed than me? Mm. Or do I believe they've learned to orient their lives in a different way that's and good. that that's possible for me too? So yeah. anyway, we, we need to move off of astonishment. I don't even know how we got to that yeah. point. What are you thinking about? I am thinking about um, something that I'm going to do for the first time, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, and that is I've never preached a sermon series or a single sermon on a church's core values, yeah. and I am I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm a little scared if I'm yeah, if yeah, I'm being yeah. honest, uh, because as we've talked about. I'm not very good at naming a subject and then finding a text and then preaching that. I, and to I've which heard, all the seminary professors say, well, amen. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I've heard some sermons on core values and I'm listening to them thinking, They're, this is bad. Like mm-hmm. clearly you are twisting the text right, right, right. to make it say what you want it to say right. about core values. Like right. I want to avoid that for sure. But at the same time, there is something right and good and holy about my calling to shepherd this congregation in a particular direction and being led by the Holy Spirit to give a word related to who we are and where God is leading us. I must do that. And you're really good at that. Well, I don't know that I'm really good at it, but I do think it's incredibly faithful. And here's why. Because our communities need to be living letters of the gospel, right? So it is totally fair to say, what is this revelation of God Mm -hmm. um, that is expressed in scripture? And and then how are we as a community living that out? And that is not eisegesis, right? Like that yes. is saying, I need my yeah. my community to have a culture that is intentionally yes. biblically formed and yes. spiritually formed, right? Mm-hmm. And so to say, I mean, your core values are derived from biblical truth. So to be able to say, right. this is our core value, this is the biblical truth from which it's derived, and this is how we're planning to live it out, of mm-hmm. course that's a faithful thing to do. And I think the, the less faithful thing to do is just to show up every Sunday and preach from the lectionary and assume that by accident or osmosis, the congregation is going to spontaneously yes. form mm-hmm. some you know beautifully countercultural way um, by the Bible, like people need to be led through to connect the dots. And I think I've mentioned it probably even on this podcast, like being in seminary and my favorite professor, one of my favorite professors was my new Testament professor. Um, J Paul simply taught me how to love Paul, but he talked about, um, preaching the preaching moment being, um, the place where he did his best leadership and pastoral care. Yeah. And as a you know 22-year-old seminarian, I was yeah. like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like in the preaching moment, you're just preaching the text, yeah. right? Like you're just yeah. teaching people or you're you know helping them reconnect to the biblical text. And I just, I did not understand how that could be done and certainly didn't understand, didn't understand that it should be mm-hmm. done, right? Mm-hmm. But yes, it's our job to say, not only us, we individuals, need to understand the richness 
of these particular texts, but we individuals are forming into a community and our community has some norms and standards and behaviors that we agree are derived from the truth of Jesus Christ. And this is how we're going to practice it. And we're not just going to all spontaneously end up doing this in the same way. Some people have to be clarity and there has to be teaching, right? Like some people are going to intuitively know, Mm -hmm. and that's great, but it shouldn't be like, just because you don't intuitively know you don't belong in the community, right? right? Like Mm -hmm. we, people Mm -hmm. are allowed to need to be taught, Mm -hmm. especially people who have not had the privilege of growing up in Christian communities, especially people who maybe have had the misfortune of growing up in unhealthy Christian Mm. communities. And so they've just been taught wrong, right? Like, of course we need to teach people. And as we've said before, um, multi-ethnic congregations make life more beautiful, but also more complex. And so you have to start naming core values because in that complexity, You've got to build an identity and say, no, this is what we believe. This this is the kind of community we want to be. And so as you navigate conflict and right. navigate, right. you know, what direction we go in and do we go this way or that this way or do this thing or that thing? This is our culture of worship and yes. here's why. This yes. is our culture of welcoming yes. and here's why. Yeah. This is our culture of caring for one another and here's why. Yeah. yeah. So this story, I, I this is one of my best stories. When I was a kid, I used to go to this eight-week-long summer camp and... Um, I went like when I was a kid and then I was a uh, counselor in training there. And when you were a counselor in training, um, there were these um, activities that you did when you were a a camper. Mm -hmm. And then there were a couple activities you did every day when you were functioning as a a CIT. And so you were like an assistant teacher. And so this one summer that I was there, I was assigned to be um, a CIT. So like an assistant um, at this dance class, right? Well, I had never taken dance as a camper, right? So I show up in this, um, in this class and I've never been a part of it before. Mm. And, um, so I go through the whole summer, like assisting in the way that I thought I should do it, which was basically, I mean, in retrospect was lame. Like I was just kind of like starting and stopping the music. Right. But like, I just, like nobody said anything to me. And so that's yeah. just, and then at the end of the summer, like they would give us like reviews of our performance mm. and, and, um, and you got like a, whatever you got, like a three, if you were ready to teach the next summer and like a two, if you weren't and like a one, if you had been a bad assistant, right? Well, I got a one wow. from the teacher, the dance teacher who happened to be my counselor at the time. So it was, it was uber awkward. And she's like, you never participated the whole time. You never demonstrated any of the dance. You should have been leading the class so that I could have been observing them. And I was like, and I just remember being so devastated because, wow. yes, potentially I should have been able to figure that out for myself, yeah. um, but I didn't. But no one made it clear. And no one knew. And she and she made an assumption yeah. that I knew and was deliberately choosing not to do it. Wow. But the reality was I neither knew mm. <laughs> nor understood how I was supposed to show up in this yeah, community. Yeah. And so I did wrong mm. and I'm sure it really ticked her off. Like I can understand how to her, it just looked like I had a terrible attitude and didn't want to participate. Mm-hmm. And I can understand too, as an adult now, I can understand how my presence doing that on the stage probably really was difficult for her in terms of mm. motivating other campers to participate. Mm-hmm. But at the time, like I just was totally caught up in myself and I was doing what seemed right in my eyes yeah. and nobody taught me any different. Yeah. And, inst- and the first feedback I got was you're a failure. You don't belong wow. in this community. Right. I mean, that's fine. But I mean, I think that's a helpful, 
thing for me to remember mm-hmm. when I get frustrated with people in my congregation, I, you know, that I just always assume they're making a deliberate choice based on knowing what's best to do and choosing what's not to. And I write a whole story in my head mm. about why yes. they are or aren't doing something. Yes. And then, you know, whatever. And instead of saying that like, we need to say to people, when someone makes a choice that's unhelpful, mm-hmm. the first question we need to ask is, like, do they know what a helpful choice would be? Do mm-hmm. they understand why what they're doing is not helpful? Do mm-hmm. are or are we just writing a whole story in our head that says they're not here for the right reason? They want to hurt me. They want to reject me. They don't love Jesus. They don't want to whatever. So I think that core values teaching is so important, um, and I don't think I do it well. I think I say I'm going to do it, and then I take a text, and then I preach the text, and at the end I'm like, oh, was I supposed to talk about a core value? Whoops. But you guys do it at several levels. I mean, you guys do it we in try. the preaching moment. Yeah. You do it in small groups. So, I mean, you guys have done a lot we of work to embed those values. And we, we are, try. We're just starting that work. We you know, our, our elders have been faithful to do this hard work last fall. Uh, I think uh, they discerned a wonderful list of core values, and... I'm really excited about not only for our community, but just for my own discipleship. I'm like, yeah, I can live into those values. I Yes, um, I, I can embrace those for my own spiritual life. And so I want to do this well. I really right. want to do this well, but I'm, I'm really nervous about this. Well, and one thing that I think, just to be fair, is this is nothing that we were taught, right? And it's not common in other um, Presbyterian churches that I'm connected with, right? Like this is all things we've gleaned from going outside of our core tradition. And so I don't, we're kind of fumbling around and yeah. don't know how to do it. Yeah. And that that's okay, but we it still needs to be done, right? Absolutely. So yeah. yeah, I think that's great. So what are you thinking about? Um, so on Monday, I went to the prayer room here in Charlotte, which if someone is listening in their local and they've never been to the 24 seven prayer room. Um, you really, really, really should go because it's beautiful and powerful. And I can't describe it to you. Um, cause it's not like anything else I've ever seen. Um, and it's amazing. And you know, I'm not a very intrinsically like sit in a corner and meditate kind of girl. So <laughs> anyway, I went there, um, cause I was trying to get over my Martha-ness and, and reconnect with my inner Mary. And so I was reading, um, some of the resources that were around and praying for some people. And, um, I ran across this one quote from Tozer and I'm not mm. like, I know, I know he's a big deal. I love, A.W. I know, Tozer. I know you do. Bless Christian your... Missionary Alliance. Bless your charismatic heart, right? And I'm trying to like learn things from him, right? But anyway, I ran into this quote and it was really arresting for me. And I don't know what I think of it. And I'm going to guinea pig Mm. it on you right now. Okay. Okay. All right. Very good. So you may or may not answer. But um, so the quote is this. The most important thing about you is the first thing that comes into your head when you think about God. Whoa. Okay. Uh, Wow. So what's the first thing that comes into your head when you think about God? The, the word, okay, wow. I know you don't this want to do this so, right now. Yeah, yeah, I totally don't <laughs> okay, want to do fine. this. Okay, fine. It's fine. But, but, I didn't uh, even... but, I, but I will do it. The oh, first okay. thing that came into my head was the word truth. Like, I when I think about God, the thing that um, um, I'm just drawn to what I perceive to be true, like true with a capital T. Truth is beautiful to me. Truth is exciting to me truth um it it's 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 a it's a place of emotion for me um so yeah that's the first thing that pops into my head the beauty of god's truth i 
you know, for someone who never doesn't have a thought in her head, that question, my immediate response to it is like, ah! <laughs> just, like, Okay, know. it's too so, bad this isn't a video podcast because <laughs> that face was wow. Yeah, that was that was great. That was great. Anyway, I'm just thinking about that. I don't know. But read I don't that know quote if I again. buy it. I don't know. The most important thing about you is the first thing that comes into your head when you think about God. So, I don't. Well, well, I don't understand how that's the most important thing about me. Well, I mean, I would assume, I don't know, and I don't know the context of the quote, I would assume that Tozer would say, this thing then is connected to your giftedness or the thing that God was created you to bring into the world, and you're a preacher, and you're a teacher, and so, which, knowing you, I mean, it's easy to say, like, yes, particularly in the the preaching moment all these years, you know, you very much want to say, hey, there's a, and this goes back to our doctrine theology question, right? There's a right way of thinking and knowing God, yeah. that it's not a matter of you're in if you've got it and you're out if you don't got it, but it does matter yeah. in terms of knowing who who God is and how God works and it leads to fullness of life, right? That when okay. we are yeah. Yeah. worshiping a lie, we're still loved by God, we're still caught up in God's salvation, but we can't participate Absolutely. in it fully okay. because anyway, so that, that yeah. makes sense to me for you. Yes. I just don't even know, like... You know, if someone says, what's the first thing that comes into your head when you think about God? That's like the one time when I'm oh. like, ah, there's 19,000 things coming into my head at the same time. I don't even know. Like, all of the things. I feel like like that stupid, like, I feel like Kathy from that stupid <laughs> cartoon. <laughs> ah! <Wow. laughs> anyway, so I don't know if I buy it. I don't know. But I just, it was arresting. Oh. It was a, it was a. A, a huge thing to wow. contemplate. So that's what Maybe I'm thinking about. Maybe it's just a, a very introverted kind of question but like for me it would be easy to name something for you it's like i would i would name i would say um it's it's energy out it's energy to connect so i'm just thinking of of you know jesus leaving to become one of us it's it's all about reaching connecting being in relationship with that's oh well that's that's what i would say i just anyway. it's interesting because like a, a whole theme in our friendship is like you'll ask me a question and I'll just start talking. And you'll be like, you didn't even know what you were going to say until you heard it. And I'm like, yeah, exactly, right? And you are saying always like, I you know, I need a minute. I got to process. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what I think about that. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's normally our thing is that yeah. I'm the one who can just whatever, like things come out of my mouth. And I'm yeah. like, oh. And, and so it's interesting with this one question that my, my response is, I don't, I don't know. have a response. Is, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's and that's very amazing. unusual. Yeah. So anyway, whatever. Wow. That's what I'm thinking about. Wow. So yeah, I'm I'm speechless. Like that, that's that's <laughs> And we're back. Yeah. <laughs> and we're <laughs> back right. in our patterns. Right. So you are not preaching this Sunday. Yes. I am uh, taking a Sunday off. And, our friend uh, Nicole is coming to from preach for you your from the congregation yep. and yep, very grateful awesome. people at Derida Church love Nicole. Because people at Derida Church know good preaching. Yeah, she so is, yeah. very grateful that yeah. she's uh, gonna preach for me on Sunday. Yes. And you are starting a new series. I am. Um, we're starting a new series called Follow Through. Um, and we are thinking about how we follow, you know, that yeah. that our life with Jesus is not an intellectual ascent to the resurrection. It's yeah. not believing in the resurrection in the sense that like, okay, I agree and I'm finished. Mm. But that there there's then, a, you know, a response, a way we need to plan for. I, you know, and I think even as sort of decidedly non 
evangelical branch of the body of Christ, mm-hmm. I think we're still influenced by this idea that what matters is that you get people to a place of yes, mm-hmm. and then after that, it's all it's all fine yeah. or it's all not fine, but you it doesn't. Period there and you're done. Right. I mean, that's all that matters mm-hmm. is is uh, you know agreeing or disagreeing with the gospel, mm-hmm. or believing or unbelieving in the gospel. Um, but but that's not you know. But the but the witness of um, the gospel is, and I think this is the one point that was in my notes that we didn't talk about before. Is I, I think this idea that we um, definitely all of us believe in the power of death because we're inundated mm-hmm. with it. And um, some of us believe or, or have a strong hope um, in the reality of life after death. Mm-hmm. Um, but the challenge, the invitation, um, the gift of Jesus is that we have, through the resurrection, mm-hmm. the opportunity to believe in life before death, right? And that's yes. the big thing, right? Yes. So it's not, and I do think that like the mm-hmm. the way that the gospel has been domesticated is just like, say yes mm-hmm. to Jesus, then do whatever you want with your life because you don't have to earn God's love. Mm-hmm. And then when you die, you get to go to heaven. And that's, yeah. and we, we're just willing to accept that. Like that's mm-hmm. just good enough for us, especially if life is pretty much good enough for us, yeah. right? But yeah. but that's that is just such a small sliver mm-hmm. of what is available to us in Jesus Christ is this idea that we can have resurrection life before we die. And um, one of the images that or stories, experiences I've had that's really powerful for me was years and years ago, I got the opportunity to go to um, Israel, um, which I'll just be the outlier and say, I, I did not enjoy my time in the Holy Land. It was not... <laughs> It was not a good experience for me. I, I, I would not go back. Okay, at That's, some point, we need to come we need back to, to that. Right, but anyway, whatever. Um, all God's land is holy, right? I, anyway, but um, but we met with a lot of people, and um, one of the um, folks that we were privileged to meet, and I, I'm ashamed to say that I, I can remember what he said. I cannot remember who he was, mm. but but he, he was a um, pretty prominent um, religious leader in, like, the Coptic Christian movement, mm. I, and and we were, were listening, and and this um, th- this trip was really about um, solidarity and advocacy for the Palestinian people, mm-hmm. which is great, um, but well, which is also a conversation for another time. Mm-hmm. I believe in advocacy for the Palestinian people, absolutely, and I believe in advocacy for the Israeli people, and I believe in being called to be a peacemaker, and that means that you don't take sides, which means that both sides hate you. But anyway. <laughs> Another day. But I was listening to this man and, and, and speak about, you know, just the pain and the challenge of, of leading his community and the allure of terrorism mm-hmm. among particularly young people. And he was saying, look, here's the problem. It's not that young people are not people of faith. They are. And it's not that they don't believe in God. They do. And it's not that they don't believe in life after death. They definitely believe in that. Mm-hmm. What they don't believe in is life before death. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're so willing to die. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. everything about their experience teaches them that there is no reason to live and there is nothing good for them in this life and they will not experience God in this life at all so they might as well die right and I just feel like that's so true for believers and you know connecting with the idea of woundedness and being able to say we want to be a people who teach people that life with God is possible not just after death but before death and not just possible when we are so careful and blessed that nothing bad ever happens to us but that Mm. in the terrible things that happen to us you know we preach Christ and him crucified that that abundant life and glory and redemption and goodness and Mm. love and fullness is possible 
in the wounds um, and not just by avoiding them. So that is where I might end up on Sunday. I don't know. Well, it's only Friday. And, well, and I, there's, there's a lot of good stuff in that. I, I do think that in Western Christianity, we have this, um, this idea that, that's, that's not challenged enough this, this idea of escaping the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that what God is doing is um, that pretty much God is through with the world and mm-hmm. one day God's going to wad it up and throw it in the mm-hmm. trash. Mm-hmm. But the New Testament says, no, that God is redeeming. God will ultimately make all things new. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Old Testament says it too, right? That's the promise yes, of shalom, right? Absolutely. The, the complete yes, restoration yes, and welfare of yes. all creation. Yeah, I, I think that um, is so missing in how people understand Christianity. And I think often when it is an awareness of the goodness of God available in this life, mm-hmm. then there's this alternative tension to say, well, I believe, you know, that, that the kingdom of God is here and now and only here and now. And there's not, you know, so it's almost That's as though there's this pressure to to choose, like you yeah. can have one or the other. Yeah. And I just think that's a lie. Mm-hmm. I believe in both. We believe in both. The The scripture testifies yeah. to the reality of both and that both are to be yeah. sought. That and the kingdom has been inaugurated. Mm-hmm. That new, like I love that place. Well, in our English translations, it usually reads something like, if anyone is in Christ. New creation. Yeah, in Greek just simply says new creation. And I... Yes, I love this idea that the New Testament gives us, teaches us, that new creation has been inaugurated. However, it's in the midst of this still fallen world, and so there will be wounds, there will be pain, and yet we know, because of the resurrection of Jesus, that ultimately... The day is coming when the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ forever. And so we live in light of that reality, even while we go through the pain and hardship of this life and we, we are scarred and beaten up and we see injustice and we think yeah. that the machine of injustice has the last word, that death has the last word in the resurrection says no. But the resurrection of Jesus isn't this, as some people would like, um, this this ticket of escapism out right. of pain and suffering. Right. I think the message of this story and Thomas, who's a better theologian. Which is what you're preaching on Sunday. Correct. Is, you know, that Jesus comes back resurrected with wounds, that even the wounds are resurrected, mm-hmm. right? And so that's important to me to say that the the machinery of injustice, the powers and principalities, what they're doing is not good. Yeah. It is not God's will. It is not okay. It is in no way yeah. justified. And yet the offensively good promise of the gospel is that even those wounds will be redeemed and will become marks of glory, right? Yeah. So that it's not that, you know, the shalom is achieved, but it would have been even better had those bad things not happened. But mm-hmm. even those bad things, even that pain, mm-hmm. even that suffering can be worked together for the good mm-hmm. so that the redemption, that the marks of Christ's glory, of wounds, you know, elevate and and, yeah. and and magnify the glory of God. And that is what really strips those powers and principalities of their power because it's not just that like, okay, we undid them. No, mm-hmm. we repurposed them. Yeah. Well, not we. Yeah. 
obviously, <laughs> obviously, God yeah. repurposed them and yeah. reharnessed them for glory. I mean, that's the subversive nature of the kingdom. Um, so I'm going to try to get into all of that on Sunday. Good luck to to the church. <laughs> well, final word from me. Um, I'm reminded of the psalm um, that says, the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that the resurrection does is uh, in stripping the powers of death of of their ultimate power, it also brings us to a place where we we don't fear them. Right. Even though there may be some pain in this life. And deep injustice. And deep injustice. We do not have to fear those powers because ultimately we know that the kingdom of God triumphs. Right. And I think like if you think about it from the other side and you say basically like the Pax Romana and the violence and you know the institutional oppression and violence is saying, you know, get on our side because we will crush and dismantle anything that is against us. And really um, the, that the that the power of God is saying you know I am going to do to those powers what those powers sought to do to my people, right? I'm going to crush and reclaim those things for the glory of God so that, you know, Christ will be all in all. And that, that is, that is what I believe in. That is what I, what I hope for. Um, just the, the complete redemption. I mean, that's what I believe the scripture testifies to that, you know, the complete redemption of all creation Mm -hmm. returned to Christ mm-hmm. from which it came. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there it is. All right. Thanks for listening. Yeah. That's what we remember to say. How do we end this podcast? We should end it by saying, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>